0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Hey everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So glad that you came to worship God with us today. And as we Get into his word as we get into the scriptures this morning. I want us just to have an open heart, ready to receive whatever it is that God has for us today. So let's go into this with just a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity that we have to gather here every week and throughout the week as your believers, God, in you, that follow you, that love you. God, I thank you that as we've assembled here as a a family that uh, we just want to know more about you and grow in your truth and grow an understanding of exactly like the song that we just sang says, that Christ truly is enough. I pray that you open our hearts today, open our eyes, God, and help us just to know that you truly are everything that we need. Let us leave this place differently than we walked in. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. 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 Well. We're starting a new series today called Raised to Life. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down, Christ Gives Hope. You can also follow along on YouVersion if you have um, uh, your iPhone or your iPad or whatever you brought with you um, that you can uh, download that YouVersion app and you can search for a live event in your area. And uh, you'll be able to pull up the, the message there and follow along and take notes as well. So make sure you take advantage of that technology if, uh, if you brought that with you. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to the book of Romans and the fifth chapter. You know, as, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, I was thinking about how oftentimes in our world there are a lot of things that would want to try to squash out our hope. A lot of things that would want to tell us, it's over for you, this is the end. You will enter into some type of dire circumstance or maybe you're afraid of what's to come or afraid of what someone told you was coming down the line or you're afraid of what someone said to you or about you and you feel completely hopeless. Maybe you had a really crummy childhood. Maybe you've made some bad decisions financially or relationally and you're really afraid of what's going to happen in your life and you're living life without any hope at all. And you came to church today Hoping to hear something that would encourage you, that would give you hope. And let me tell you, you're in the right place today because we're going to talk about how Christ gives us hope. Because how many of you guys know that the world that's all around us is trying to take that hope away? Trying to show us that, that, that there's no hope for you. That all of that red ink that's on all of the mail that's in your box is trying to tell you it's over for you. Give up. Quit. It's over. There's no hope for you. And a lot of times, even as we have to deal with death, we'll think, man, death must be it. There's no hope. There's no hope. Oh, I've been told I'm going to die, or I'm afraid of death, or I'm afraid of what people are going to do to me or say to me. And we think that there is no hope. We think that that's it because this world is full of sin, and we know that sin leads to death, and death would want to try to squash hope. Death would want to squash hope that's what it would want to do but Jesus after he defeated death he said death where is your sting you no longer have a sting anymore the grave no longer has any victory but that sin in this world it will always lead to death always 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 and we live in a world that is contaminated with sin and sin equals death and that's what the Bible says here In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore just as through one man sin entered in the world. And death through sin. And thus death spread to all men. Because all had sinned. Now what the scripture is talking about. Is Adam the first man that God created when he fell in God's paradise, God's garden of Eden that he created for man to be a part of and enjoy in fellowship with him? Man chose to disobey God and because of that man died spiritually and when man died spiritually it eventually caused him to die physically. And spiritual death basically means that we're separated from God. And that's exactly what happened, not only to Adam, but to every single one of us. Sounds like a pretty rotten story with no hope, man. Well, I came to church today to get some hope. This is not the best way to start out, Pastor Derek. Well, let me tell you something. That's not the end of the story. Because even though sin equals death... And we all have sinned, and we all deserve the penalty of death. Jesus Christ did something about that. And let's look at Romans 5, and let's skip over to verse 19. For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who's, who's that one man we're talking about that disobeyed? It's talking about Adam, the first man. Through his decision, through his disobedience, the Bible says many were made sinners, but By also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And that's talking about Jesus Christ. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord. You see, what Jesus did through his obedience, through his perfection, is that he actually took that death that would want to squash our hope, and he put death to death. He put death in its grave, where death is no longer the end for us, that death means that we have now actually entered into life with him if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said it himself, he said, don't fear man and what he can do to you. Don't be afraid of what he can say to you, the one that can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Said, Don't be afraid of what man can do unto you because you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus put death to death so he gave hope where we would once look and see that there was no hope. Where we would just see darkness, where we would see emptiness, where we would see, man, this must be it. There's no hope for me. No, there is still hope because by Jesus' obedience, we can now be brought into the family of God, and death is not the end. Amen, somebody. So, what that means is that Jesus Christ is our hope. He delivered us from the de- he delivered us from death and the grave, and he gave us hope because he took what once was dead. What once was spiritually dead on the inside of us. What once was separated from God because of sin. And he put that to death and he made us alive. He made us alive and we are now alive in Christ. It's him who changes us. It's him who gives us hope. It's Him who lets us know that no matter what someone can do to us, what they can say to us, what circumstances may be surrounding us it will try to intimidate us, that this is not the end. Let's us know that this is not the end, and that's got to give us hope because we look to thousands of things in this life for hope that are a thousand times smaller than Jesus for hope. We look to things for significance that are a thousand times smaller than Jesus. Instead of understanding, like we were saying earlier, that Christ is enough. That he gives me hope even in the face of death. Even where hope would want to be squashed by all the intimidation, by all the noise, by all of the voices around. That he put that to death and he gave me hope if I trust in him. If I trust in everything else, if I trust in myself, I trust in my job, I trust in other people, guess what? my hope is eventually going to be compromised because you can only hope in yourself as good as you can be because that's going to run out at some point and then all of a sudden I can't trust in myself anymore. I've got to trust in someone who can continually provide me with hope. And that is Jesus Christ. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that takes that stony heart that was hardened because of sin and puts a new heart in us. It's not you that changes you. It's Jesus Christ that changes you. Because no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you get, no matter how hopeful you become in your own eyes and by your own efforts, you can't change your heart. You can't change your heart. You can't change your husband's heart or your wife's heart either can't change your kid's heart. Just because we can get someone to conform and act a certain way and adhere to certain values and standards does not mean that their heart is changed because you cannot change the heart. Conformity does not equal conversion. Only Jesus can change the heart. So that's why there's a lot of people that are trying their hardest to act right and to be right, and they think that that's going to make them right in the eyes of God when no matter how hard you try, your best effort will never be good enough to make you righteous in the eyes of God because human effort can't earn righteousness. Only the perfect sacrifice of Jesus could. And therefore, I can't put my hope in my human effort. I have to put my hope in Jesus because he's perfect, because he did everything that I could not do. He was fathered by the Holy Spirit. So he wasn't in this bloodline of this fallen nature. He was born of a virgin. And that's why he had to be born of a virgin. That's why he was fathered by the Holy Spirit. Because he broke that cursed bloodline of fallen man, that nature of fallen man. And he was an alien in this world. He was a stranger because even though he was a man, he was a sinless man. And everybody else around him was full of sin, was full of hard hearts. And he lived this life perfectly, and then he died on the cross and took all of our sin, took all of our iniquity, all of our shame. Surely he bore our grief and bore our sorrows. Surely all the transgressions that you and I had committed, he took those things upon him. And by the stripes that he took on his back, the Bible says that we're healed. We're made whole because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. Amen? Amen because of what Jesus Christ did. So here's the thing. If Jesus is the one who can change my heart, my, me putting my faith in what he did and not what I do, then the one who changed me, the active change agent, gets the glory. He's the one that gets the praise, the active change agent does. And guess what? It's not you and it's not me. It's not your favorite philosopher. It's not your favorite uh, uh, person that would want to give you good advice on on how to be a better this or a better that you can't put your hope in them your hope still has to be in jesus you can't put your hope in your favorite preacher it doesn't matter you can't put your hope in me you can't put your hope in your husband your wife you can't put your hope in your children your hope is in jesus christ your hope is in him because guess what he never fails all those other things can fail. All those other things are subject to failure. And we allow our worlds to completely collapse when we put our faith in our job, in the amount of money we make. Because you know you could lose your job like that. You could put your faith in the stock market. Stock market could crash tomorrow. What are we gonna do? Oh no! What are we going to do? I have no hope. I guess it's over for me. I have no reason to live. If you put your faith in Christ, you still have hope. Amen, somebody? You see, because he's the one that changes us, because he's the one that makes all things new, he's the one that gets the glory, not you and me. Because in our best days and on our best behavior, we still can't change our heart. Our best efforts our best behavior, our best actions and attitudes, no matter how gracious and nice and kind they may be, they cannot change our hearts. You can't deliver yourself. You can't deliver yourself. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is not a self-help program from God. Being a disciple of Christ is not a self-help program from God. He came to do what you and I couldn't do, and that was save ourselves through our own righteous deeds because we couldn't do that. We couldn't save ourselves through our own righteous deeds. So he had to come and do what we couldn't do. And that was save us and make us right with God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, the first chapter. Let me show you something. That was one of my favorite scriptures to pull out and, and, and to preach when I was a youth pastor. First Corinthians chapter one and verse 13 says this: He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. And buddy, let me tell you, when I would preach this scripture, he has delivered us, you hearing me, young people tonight, he has delivered you, ha, from the power ha, of darkness. ha! And he has converted you. He has conveyed you, ha, He has translated you. He has beamed me up, scottied you into the kingdom of his dear son. Can I get some help in here? Somebody.! Ha? And you see? I would preach that message, buddy, and I would hammer that scripture home. I would hammer it home because what I thought and probably what a lot of us think is that the kingdom of darkness is like a scary horror movie, this rated R horror movie with the smoke and and the demons and all these creatures that are all lurking in the night. And it's just, you know, the streets are full of, of, of open strip clubs and you're afraid to go out of your house at night because the kingdom of darkness is here. And we're all afraid of the kingdom of darkness. And that's this mindset that we have about the kingdom of darkness. And we will set certain things that we deem as evil or sin in the kingdom of darkness. And that's a kingdom of darkness. Let me tell you something, folks. The kingdom of darkness is anything that would offer itself as hope to you other than Jesus. Because if you don't have Jesus, I don't care how good your life is. You are in the kingdom of darkness doesn't matter how clean you're living. doesn't matter how nice you are. If you don't have Christ in your life, you're in the kingdom of darkness. No matter how sunny and how bright your house is, how clean and nice and, 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 and courteous you are, how upright your children act, because there's a lot of nice people in this world, and they equate them being nice and being good moral and ethical people to salvation. And they think that because I do these things, that makes me right with God. Folks, you never get to a place where you stop needing Jesus. Ever. You never get to a place where Christ all of a sudden takes back seat to something else. Where Christ takes back seat to your good behavior. No. Does he want us to have good moral, ethic behavior? Absolutely. Does he want us to act in a way that would please God and glorify God? Absolutely. He wants us to do those things. He wants us to live good, moral, healthy lives. But guess what? That doesn't make you right with God. It's not, you know, like when I was in the third grade, I remember my teacher had this chart on the back of the door that had all of our names on it. And if you were good that day, you'd get a star by your name. And when you get a star by your name, you get so many stars, then we would throw like a popcorn party or something, you know, and we would always compete to see who could be the best, who could be the one that earned the class, the popcorn party with the stars. And that's how we treat... God, that's how we treat our Christianity. That's how we treat church. We treat it as if God is putting little stars by our names and we're going, you know what? I may not be the best Christian in the class, but I'm at least better than this guy. Because let me tell you what this guy does. I know what he does. I know what she does. I saw her the other day in Walmart, and she was over there, mm-hmm, and she was buying all kinds of liquor. And she was going to go just have herself a party and drown all her sorrows. Uh-huh. And I just know, well, Lord Jesus, I ain't touching none of that business. Uh-uh. I ain't going down that road. No, ma'am, no, sir. And we think we're better because I'm not like them. At least I'm, yeah, yeah at least I showed up early to pray. At least I did my part. She didn't even wear her cross earrings today. I got mine on, got my Jesus bling on. And we think that because we act right and we spit white, that we're better than other people. We got more stars by our name. And that's not how it works because you're not the one that's changing you. It's Jesus who changes the thing you and I could never change. And because of that, he's the one that we put our hope in. And this power of darkness that he's talking about is a life without Christ. I heard somebody say this the other day, and it just rocked my little world. He said, you know, when we think about the devil's paradise, you know, what would, what would Satan's paradise be for planet Earth, for the human race? Well, we would think of something dark and evil and sinister, where, you know, it would just be all of this crime, and, and, and murder, and theft, and all these things would just be running rampant, and there would be all of this evil just on every corner, and you would be just scared to death. And he said, you know, I, I think that's the idea that we have about Satan's paradise for us, he said, but, you know, he said, I, I would think that actually Satan's paradise for us would be something a little bit more like this, to where husbands treated their wives really nice, kids said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, everyone was had their lawn mowed, just so-and-so. Everybody was just perfect and happy and living their lives. And they did it all without ever knowing Jesus. Because, you see, we think that if I meet Jesus, then I'll have a good life. And that's what I want is a good life here. And will, will following Christ help you to have a good life in this earth? Maybe. I sure hope so. Because there are principles and scriptures and things in his word that if you follow and if you learn, then these things will help you in life to help you make better decisions. But guess what? The first century disciples that walked and talked with Jesus, some of them were running for their very lives. Why? Because of Jesus. He said, actually, everybody's going to kind of hate you and it's going to be my fault. That's what Jesus told them. He said, everybody's going to actually hate you. He said, actually, you're going to be persecuted because of me. So I just want to let you know this is, this is actually a narrow road and there's few that find it. And he so said, there's going to be a lot of people in that day that say, Lord, Lord, and I'm not saying, I, don't, I don't know who you are because you didn't put your faith in me. You put your faith in yourself because you thought that you were good enough to earn your own brand of salvation instead of putting your faith and your hope in Christ because everything else in our lives that we put our hope in other than Christ will fail us it will we can't earn it and we can't put god in our debt i remember one time when i was a youth pastor i did this thing man oh let me tell you for 3 months for 3 months my youth group we were going to fast we were going to fast it was going to be like i was i was getting ready to just blow their little minds you know i was going to go in there i was going to tell them we're going to fast for 3 months going to blow their minds. I said, young people, let me tell you something. We're going to fast for the next three months. We, if you've been watching rated R movies, if you've been watching PG-13 movies, we're going to stop watching that filth. We're going to get it out of our lives. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to focus on our relationship with God. If you've been dating a boy or a girl, I'm going to ask you, young person, for the next three months, if you would listen to me, I'm going to ask you for the next three months to give up that relationship. And let me tell you, if that boy or girl tells you that they can't take a three-month break, you had no business being with them anyway. Come on, somebody help me. And let me tell you something else, young person, we're going to fast second music for the next three months we're going to take a break from all that evil you better get your presets set on k love because that's jesus's station and that's what we're going to do because we god wants you to listen to his music come on somebody can i get some help in here and i thought boom mind's blown next three months ultra uber commitment to god and i thought at the end of that three months that i was going to have this amazing service where young people were just gonna come to the altars weeping and confessing their sins and crying out to God "Ah!" thought it was gonna be this knockdown, drag out amazing service because we did all these things and we were putting God in our debt well three months went by that was the most boring flattest service I ever had and I was mad at God matter of fact I went and prayed after that was over with and I said God you owe me look at what we did Look at what we did, because this was supposed to happen the way I wanted it to happen, because we paid our due to you. We fasted all these things as a group, and and it didn't happen the way I I wanted it to happen. Now, were any of those things that I asked those young people to do bad? Absolutely not. Those were all good things, and there was nothing wrong with me asking them to take a break from some of those things and focus on their walk with the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that at all. What was wrong was my heart thinking that I could somehow manipulate God to do something for me. I wanted him to do by putting him in my debt and going, God, you owe me because I want this and this this way. And I treated God like he's just someone that I can get what I want. And everybody goes, man, that's the most spiritual youth group in town. Oh, let me tell you. Ooh, ain't they special? Mm Mm-hmm. And then I make it all about me. We make it all about ourselves very quickly. We'll do things. Oh God, I showed up to church twice this month, you owe me. You owe me. I put some money in the offering bucket, you owe me. I said a little prayer for little Johnny, you owe me. I set my alarm clock 10 minutes early, God, and I prayed hard. I'm going to wear some holes in my knees because that's what spiritual people have. They got holy jeans. Mm. Because, God, you owe me. You owe me. And we think that somehow we can change others, and we can change by getting God to owe us. Folks, let me tell you, we got this thing backwards. The only one who owes anyone anything is us owing God because of the great price that he paid to redeem us back to himself. And that was by giving his best, giving his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and me. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, by the mercies of God, on behalf of God's great mercy, what he did for us that we didn't even deserve, that you need to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, it's the least that we we could do holy and acceptable it's your reasonable act of worship it just makes sense that we give him everything and put our hope and our trust in him because i'm beseeching you on his mercy i'm begging and pleading with you on behalf of the mercies of god to give him everything to put your hope in him and not in yourself to put your hope in him He's the one that brings the change. He's the one that changes your heart, not you. It's not you, no matter how hard you try. We have to understand that the power of darkness that would want to try to, to, to come against us is anything that would want us to rely on anything other than Christ as our source of hope. Because hope in yourself is limited to your performance. It's limited to how good you can perform. It's limited to how good you can be. And then guess what? You can only be so good. Maybe some of us can be a little better than others. But when that runs out, when the tank gets on E and the car starts chugging along, you're going to run out. And you're not going to have any hope. Because you put your hope in yourself. You can only trust yourself to the degree that you can perform. That's why I will say things like this. I trusted myself financially because I'm really smart with money. (laughs) I'm <laughs> really smart with money. And then all of a sudden you lose your job. Or that stock you put all that faith in bottoms out. You freak out. What am I going to do? I don't have any hope. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's over for me. See, is Pastor Derek telling you to not be smart with your money? Absolutely not. You need to be smart with your money, you need to learn how to manage it properly. And the Word of God can help guide you and lead you and teach you some of those things. And there's some very good principles you can learn to be a good steward over what you have. That's something we need to do. But no matter how good I get at it, I never put my trust in my ability. Amen, somebody? Because those things can change. I don't put my hope in my ability to perform. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do things well and to the best of my ability, but I can't put my hope in my ability. You see, you you can do all the right things. How many people have I counseled? Husbands and wives that are dealing with marriage issues. I'm doing all the right things. And it's not changing anything. I'm doing everything I know to do. Everything you told me to do. Well, let me encourage you. Don't ever stop doing the right things. Amen, somebody? Don't ever stop doing those things. Don't ever quit or give up doing those things. But let me tell you something. Don't put your hope in the things that you're doing. Amen? Because when you do all the right things and then things don't work out the way you thought they should, you get mad at God. Because you're putting your hope in your performance and not in God. And you you see, when we put our faith in God, it, it changes things. It changes things. Because whether the situation and circumstance turns out the way I wanted it to, when I wanted it to, I still have hope. I can be in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a crisis, and still have hope. Because maybe I'm still doing all the right things that I knew I should do, but I'm trusting in you, God, and I'm trusting in you. You're my hope, because if I lose everything, I still have you, and Christ is enough. If I lose everything, if my family turns their back on me, if I go bankrupt tomorrow, if the company that has helped provide me a cushy uh, life all of a sudden goes belly up this next week, I still have hope because I have Jesus and Christ is enough. And I trust in him and I say, Jesus, you're it. You're everything. That's why the Apostle Paul could be chained up in a prison cell with his buddy Silas. And they could be singing praises to God because he was their hope. That's why when the, uh, when, when the Apostle Peter, when, when, when we see this great disciple, this man who was very close to Jesus, chooses to be crucified upside down. And he dies a martyr's death. That he could still be content in Christ because he could, what could man do to me? What, what could they do to me? When James was being boiled alive, when John was being exiled to the island of Patmos, all alone in the last years of his life, he could still know that Christ was enough. How many of us, if we were exiled, we would freak out. We would think it was over for us. Oh, just go ahead and and, and just kill me. Take me out because this is miserable. I can't do this. The way John was able to do that is because Christ was enough. You see, the Apostle Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter 4. You know that scripture in Philippians 4 and 13? You know the scripture? The one that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You know, that's the one that we get the T-shirts made. We get the bumper stickers. We go to the craft shows, and we get the things with the, you know, wood art carvings, Philippians 4.13, and we put it in our kitchens and things like that. We give them as Christmas presents, or you recycle it at White Elephant Christmas. And you give those to people, especially your spiritual friends, or you give one to your pastor because you think that he wants a bunch of scriptures. Of course, he's a pastor. He likes scriptures out of wood. So here you go. And so... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What we miss is Philippians 4 and 12. we talk Philippians 4.13, but we miss Philippians 4.12. Where the Apostle Paul says, I've learned how to be a base. And I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to be hungry. And I've learned how to be full. And yet, in all of these things, I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned how to make it when it doesn't look like everything's working out because Jesus didn't say, follow me and everything will work out. No, he said, follow me. He said, I've got the words of life. Come follow me. I'm the only way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Follow me. I'll give you life and life in abundance. Follow me. Follow me. You know, people are actually going to hate you for my sake, but don't worry because I've overcome the world. He said, don't fear what man can do unto you. He said, the man that can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Don't fear. Don't fear man. Don't be afraid of what could happen. Don't don't walk around in fear of, oh no, what's going to happen? I'm so afraid if this situation doesn't work out the way I want it to. It may work out the way you want it to, and it may not. I can't promise you that everything is going to work out the way you want it to. I can promise that God is good. And I can promise that God is faithful. And I can promise you that Christ is enough. And that if we put our faith in Christ, if we put our faith in Him, and we learn to rest in Him, we begin to understand He's enough. And I don't put hope in myself anymore. I put my hope in Him. So where do you turn? Where do you turn when your performance is substandard of the perfection of a holy God? Where do you turn during those times? You can try to be good, but you cannot ever be good enough in the eyes of God to earn righteousness. The Bible says that our brand of righteousness is like filthy rags. It says our righteousness is filthy rags, but you see, Jesus made me righteous in the eyes of God made me in right standing in the eyes of God. So apart from Jesus, we're we're bad people. (laughs) We're bad people apart from Jesus. We're we're, we're wretched people deserving of death. We're bad people apart from Christ. But, But understand something. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. Amen, somebody. He died to make dead people alive. I want to read Colossians chapter 1 to you. Back there at verse 13 where we talked about delivering us from the power of darkness. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself." By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And you, talking about me and you, who were once alienated and enemies of God in our mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister... I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Verse 27 said, The mystery that's known now is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that gives us hope. When we truly understand the work of the cross, the message of the gospel, we can experience the freedom and the rest that Jesus paid for because we understand that we're alive because of Jesus, that we're alive in Him. We were once spiritually dead, spiritually severed from God, but now we're alive because of Jesus. You know that song that you hear sometimes? It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. Maybe you've heard that song before. The words go like this, it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He covered me and He raised this dead man to life. It's all because of Jesus that I'm alive. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope. Jesus Christ gives me hope. Jesus gives me a why. Jesus gives me a reason. He gives me a hope. Not that everything is going to be perfect in life because He never said that. He never said everything was going to be perfect in life. But He did give us a hope, He did give us a purpose. Amen, somebody? You remember when Peter was in the boat, he was going to go fishing. After Christ had been crucified, Peter thought, it's over, it's done, let's go fishing. And all of a sudden, a great storm came their way. And then they saw a ghost, or what appeared to be a ghost, out on the water. And Peter said, I think it's Jesus. This is a little freaky, but I think it's Jesus. And he said, oh my goodness, he's walking on the water. He said, Lord, if it's you, why don't you tell me to come to you? And he said, Peter, get out. Come on, walk on the water, come to me. And in the middle of a storm, in the middle of complete chaos, when Peter got out of the boat and obeyed the words of Jesus and began to put his faith and his trust in Jesus and keep his eyes on Jesus, the storm didn't matter anymore. You see, Jesus called Peter to do something that he had never done before. As far as I know, no one really had done before to walk on water at a time that would be like horrible. I mean, like when a storm's going on, really, Jesus? Couldn't we like have some practice water walking sessions or something when everything's nice and calm? But you're going to ask me to do something I've never done before at the worst possible time to do it. Why? Because he was saying, I'm enough in the middle of the storm. I'm enough in the middle of the trial. I'm enough in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your doubt. I'm enough. And if you focus on me, I will always be enough. I will always be enough. I'm giving you hope. I'm giving you hope. He's saying, come to me and find rest. Come to me and find hope. Because Jesus gives that to us. A hope that's reflected in knowing that that, that I'm a part of the family of God. That I'm a part of the church, the body of Christ right now. A hope that lets me know I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ right now. A hope that takes away the fear of death right now. The hope, the love, knowing that I was bought with a price. The security and peace that passes my understanding regardless of what trials I may face in my life. Because of Jesus, I'm alive. Because of Jesus, I have hope. You're alive. You're free. You're forgiven. And you had nothing to do with it. Amen, somebody. Man, that takes the pressure off of me. I don't know about you. But I was raised up in a church... That I thought that I, I, if, if I was going through some trial or something in life or if I was going through difficulty, it was my fault because I didn't have enough faith or I wasn't being good enough or it was some error on my part that I was having to deal with this or deal with that. And so I began to look to myself to try to be good enough to overcome those hurdles when Jesus said, I've already overcome the world. I've already overcome the world and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Focus on Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. Because Christ is enough right now. Not going to be right now. Amen, somebody? Even our salvation, it's a gift that we receive by faith. We receive it and we trust in the things that we can't see. You remember when Jesus was healing a lot of people? Everybody's following him around, checking him out. And then all of a sudden, there's some guys that want their buddy to be healed, but the crowd's too big. And so they climb on the roof and they tear the roof apart and they lower their buddy down to Jesus because they want to see this guy healed. And what does Jesus do before he heals the guy? He said, Your sins are forgiven. What? That doesn't make any sense at all. What does that have to do with anything? And then Jesus said, which is easier to say? Get up out of your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven? Well, your sins are forgiven is easier to say because everybody's watching. Because they can't see if your sins were forgiven or not. We can't see what happens in somebody's heart. But we can see if somebody who couldn't walk can walk again. Jesus was saying, which is easier to say. He said, the Son of Man has the power to both forgive sins and heal. He said, so get out of your bed and walk. Oh, oh, sugar snap. (laughs) Jesus has done healing people and he's forgiven sins. What's he doing? He's giving hope and saying it's all about me. I can heal and I can forgive. I can do things you can see and things you can't see. I'm working on your behalf and you don't even know it. I'm doing things behind the scenes that you don't even see. You need to have hope in me because nothing can take you out that is bigger than me. I am the source of hope. I'm the source of life. And you should trust in me whether things are going great or whether things are looking really crummy right now. Because he is our He's our hope because He, He is enough. It's not Jesus plus all these other things and then I'll be satisfied, then it'll be enough. No, it's just Jesus is enough. It's just Jesus that gives me hope. It's that my hope is found in Christ and that I trust in Him. That's it. That's it. Amen, somebody? So don't just receive Christ by faith and then just expect everything to go great. You need to choose Him daily. Every day you need to choose him to not trust in yourself, but I choose this day to trust in you, Lord. Apostle Paul said, i got to crucify my flesh daily because my flesh wants to trust in itself. My flesh wants to find satisfactions and answers in itself, but I have to trust in Jesus. Matter of fact, the great theologian Martin Luther, great reformer Martin Luther, he said, I have to remind myself of the gospel every day because I forget it every day. I forget it because how easy is it for us to start off trusting in Jesus and then switch gears and start trusting in ourselves? And then all of a sudden, because we're trusting in ourselves, something goes wrong and we're all upset and our whole little world's falling apart. It's like we keep Jesus in our pocket. I don't need you right now, Jesus. Go back in my pocket. And it's like, oh, no, I need you. Come on out. Come on out. Come on. Where's he at? That's lit. Nope. Come on, Jesus. Come on out. I need your help. I need you. Jesus said, I don't want to be in your pocket. He said, I'm it. I'm all there is to gain. I'm all there is to want. I'm it. When you have me, you have everything. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He didn't say seek things. He said, seek the kingdom of God. Seek God's agenda first and his righteousness. What is the righteousness of God? It's Jesus Christ. Because I can't be righteous in the eyes of God any other way. So Jesus said, seek after his kingdom and seek after his righteousness. And guess what? All these other things will be taken care of for you. He said, how how do you think that the lilies of the field work? He said, these guys look beautiful. He said, and then the next day they're thrown in the fire. He said, what do you think about the birds? They don't spin and toil and freak out about what they're going to eat. He said, God takes care of them. How much more does God care about you than some flowers and some birds? How much more valuable are you to him than those? So don't worry about these things. Don't freak out about these things. Don't look to these things because I have all these things. Now I feel safe. Now I feel like I have hope. No, no. I can't put my hope in the government. can't put my hope in my job. I can't put my hope in how things go uh, tomorrow or next week. I can't put my hope in what decisions are made. I can't put my hope in anything else other than Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Remind yourself of the gospel daily because He is the source. You will not find hope or fulfillment in any idol that you choose to worship above Him because He's it. He's enough. You never stop needing Jesus. You never get to a place in your life where you get so good and so polished up and clean that you stop needing Jesus. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.